We're on message four, God Speaks, and the title of the message is just blatantly, outright, accusatory in nature. We fail to trust Him. We fail to trust Him. So far, we've um, preached the message, God Speaks, an unchanging message. The next message was through His Word. The next message was, um, or first message, or sec first message was God speaks an unchanging message. The second one was through his world that he created. The third was through his word. Amen. And now we look at how we fail to trust him. And we're going to start today with an extremely familiar passage of scripture in Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3 the first six verses. We've spent a lot of time in the last year and a half. This will be about the third time we've revisited uh, this passage of Scripture, and we're going there again. Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You should not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. I want to state emphatically today that God has spoken and has done so clearly. God has spoken and has done so clearly. Further, that which he has spoken perfectly reflects his divine character and nature and leads us toward lives that are for our good and his glory. The question is not whether or not God's word is clear and reliable, but whether or not we will trust God's word and his goodness walking in obedience to him. I could say that's the message in a nutshell and go home, but we're not going to do it. Stand by for more. Ed Welch wrote a book entitled, When People Are Big and God is Small. Welch's book deals with our tendency to fear man rather than God, making man appear to be bigger than God. We could just as easily write our own book, however. Every time we fail to trust and obey God, when I am big and God is small. Anytime we fail to trust God and obey His Word, we're getting ourselves, we're setting ourselves up as superior to Him. Think about that now. Anytime we fail to trust God, and obey His Word, we are setting ourselves up as superior to Him, claiming that we know more and that our way is better than His. 
Before Adam and Eve ate the fruit in the garden, they had already sinned against God in their hearts. Pay very close attention to this. Before Adam and Eve ate the fruit in the garden, they had already sinned against God in their hearts. Why? They failed to trust God. They failed to trust His Word. They failed to trust His goodness, causing them to act on their own wisdom and desires, leading to disobedience and death. We do the same when we fail to trust the God who speaks and fail to obey that which He has spoken. We often act as though we are big and God Himself is small. The first point of this message is, we fail to trust God by questioning His Word. What does it say in the first two verses? Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. Stop right there. Though Adam and Eve did not need, to he need help to question God's word, they had help, and we do too. Though Adam and Eve did not need help to question God's word, they had help. Satan, the father of lies. He introduced doubt about the word of God. Did God really say? Listen to me carefully. There are a whole lot of people today that don't believe in Satan. It's mind-boggling to me. They don't believe in him. But Satan is a real enemy. He's alive today, and he will seek to introduce doubt regarding God's Word if we let him. God has spoken, and he did not stutter. Can you say amen? Furthermore, God's revelation, you know, this is a, a simple word. It's a simple word, but in this life, revelation is sufficient. It never falls short. It's never lacking. It never fails to meet the need. Can you say amen? God's revelation is sufficient. He has given us all we need to know, all we need to love, all we need to honor, all we need to worship, and we need to obey Him. The question is, will we trust God by trusting His Word, or will we question God's Word? How do we apply this? Is it a sin to have questions when we read God's Word? Certainly not. I will explain it. We will never fully understand all the depths of the riches of God's great revelation. The question is, first, do we even read God's Word? The question is, first, do we read God's Word showing its authority over us and our submission to it? If we do, how do we respond when we have a question about what we've read? Do you question your understanding of God's Word, keeping God's Word as the trustworthy authority? Or do we question God's Word making ourselves the authority over His Word? Now, I don't know if I, if I pen that correctly for you to understand it, so I'm going to try again. Do we question our understanding of God's Word? Do you know it's okay to do that? Because we know the answer to that question, right? Do we question our understanding of God's Word, keeping God's Word as trustworthy and authority, and, and uh, uh, trustworthy as the trustworthy authority, or do we question God's Word, making ourselves the authority over His Word? 
every time we doubt the Word of God, we're attempting to make us the authority over God's Word. You say, oh, wow, when you put it that way. When you put it that way, isn't it easier to see the danger involved in that? Point number two, we fail to trust God by altering His Word. Well, the proof of the pudding's in the Word of God. Verse 2 of chapter 3, And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The Word of God, listen to this carefully, the Word of God in its quality and quantity of content is absolutely, flawlessly perfect, just the way it is. Amen? Everything in the Word of God is true and trustworthy, as is God Himself. Nothing in the Word of God needs to be removed, and nothing needs to be added to it. When we alter the Word of God by addition, as Eve did, or by subtraction, as... How many of you know that Thomas Jefferson wrote his own Bible? Do you know how dangerous that is? So when we alter the Word of God by addition, as Eve did, or by subtraction, as Thomas Jefferson did, we're demonstrating a lack of trust in God. We either say that God's Word is not sufficient because something needs to be added, or by His Word, or His Word is not good because it places demands on us that are not necessary or best. I'll read it again. We either say that God's Word is not sufficient because something needs to be added, or His Word is not good because it places demands on us that are not necessary or best. Either way, altering the Word of God shows that we don't trust the wisdom or the goodness of God or of the Word. Important question. What is your tendency? Do you add things to God's Word? Or do you take things away from God's Word? Maybe God's hatred. Uh, maybe God's hatred for lying. Or God's command to forgive. I have counseled people before. They wanted me to listen to every detail of their story because their goal was for me to reach a point as a man of God. So I said, oh, well, you don't need to forgive. Um, that I, you know, the, the details of your story are, are, are different, and you don't need to forgive. It's okay for you to walk in unforgiveness, even though the Bible teaches us that walking in unforgiveness is a deadly sin. Deadly sin. Amen? How does our willingness to alter the Word of God show that we are not trusting and submitting to the God of the Word? Third point, we fail to trust God by disobeying his word. Verse 6, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and she ate. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. At this point, I want to slow down a little bit here. The clearest evidence of our failure to trust God is our disobedience to the Word. The clearest evidence of our failure to trust God is our disobedience to His Word. 
Disobedience is our adamant denial of God's authority and reign in our lives. Disobedience is our adamant uh, denial of God's authority and reign in our hearts. When we disobey God, it says, I know what your word says. I'm going to do what I wanted to do instead. This is the fruit of our decision to make ourselves big and God small. When faced with an opportunity to obey or disobey God's word, the question to ask is not, does this thing appear to be helpful or beautiful and desirable? The question to ask is, what has God said about this? Obedience will flow out of trust and out of surrender. Disobedience comes from a heart of doubt and rebellion. Here's another important question. Can you think of a time that you have disobeyed God that did not result from doubting God's word and choosing to rebel against him? Can you think of a time that you have disobeyed God that did not result from doubting God's word and choosing to rebel against him? Since you can't, ask God by his spirit to help you trust his word and his goodness leading you to walk in obedience to him. When faced with some temptation to doubt and disobey, don't be deceived by asking if the thing you want seems to be helpful, beautiful, or desirable. If it even meets one or two of those criteria, doesn't mean it's doable. If it's in disobedience to God. Where do I get that helpful, beautiful, and desirable part? Go look at what Eve perceived when she looked at the fruit after it had been lied about. Instead, simply ask yourself, what has God said? Have you, have you come to the, the realization yet that God gave you a pastor that is a simple man? I am not complicated. I'm not complicated. I give you what God gives me. Amen? And this is about as simple as it gets. We've got to trust God's goodness. And we've got to trust God's faithfulness. And we've got to walk ahead in obedience to Him. From the time our first parents sinned. Who am I talking about? Who's our first parents? From the time our first parents sinned, we've been bent toward distrusting God, distrusting His Word, distrusting His goodness, and choosing instead to disobey God and go our own way. Ever since Adam and Eve sinned, why? Because the scabs were knocked off of what is wrong with human nature. We can see it clearly. If we only knew how simply we deviate from God's plan every day of our lives with even the myriad little choices that we make that expose the fact we're not trusting God. We're not trusting His Word. The day is coming when every decision we make, everything we do, every direction we move in, we must do it closely connected to God's direction, the Holy Spirit's leading, and God's written word. Can you say amen? We cannot be wishy-washy 
Amen? The day of wishy-washiness is gone. It's behind us. It is not ahead of us. And the way we serve God in the future and, and from this moment on needs to be clearly defined and directly obeyed and adhered to the guidelines of the Word of God. No more playing around with God. People out there that are walking the fence, there ain't going to be no fence anymore. And you're going to be on one side and you're going to be on the other. One or the other, you're going to be on it. Whether we add to or subtract from God's Word, we demonstrate our lack of trust in God, His Word, and His character. So, well, I, I, I didn't know I was doing all that yet. Yeah, yeah, that's what you're doing. If you define it, it goes like this again. Whether we add to or subtract from God's Word, like Adam and Eve did, we demonstrate our lack of trust in God, of trust in His Word, and trust in His character. We place ourselves above God and His Word, making ourselves big and God small. Those who do not know Christ walk in this way, as is their manner of life. The only hope is repentance of sin and surrender to Christ as Savior and Lord. Believers must also realize we commit our own similar sins of disobedience. So those last three lines become life and death important. Those who do not trust Christ or do not know Christ, talking about the unsaved there, Brother Dennis, you're not talking about me. Yeah, well, yes, I am. Those who do not know Christ walk in this way as their manner of life. The only hope is repentance of sin, and that's true for the child of God too. Amen? The only hope is repentance of sin and surrender to Christ as Savior and Lord. Believers must also realize we commit our own similar sins of disobedience. We do. That needs to change. Let, let me tell you, there's still a lot of vast changes to come. Sister Gloria and I were talking, Ruth, uh, uh, the other night here in Bible study. And... and um, I'm going to quote her on this because I, I believe this with all my heart. I'm going to try to quote her on this. When the time comes for people to take the mark of the beast, so we're jumping ahead, aren't we? That's not today, right? When it, the time comes for people to make a choice about taking the mark of the beast or not, it, it isn't going to be subterfuge. It's not going to be from deceitfulness. It's not, people are going to know clearly what they're doing. Well, I had to take the mark of the beast. I need to feed my family. And, and myriads of other excuses just like that. Does that make sense? Even people who know better. Even people who know better. And once you take the mark of the beast, you're doomed. There's no one doing it. There's no going back. When the time comes that the tribulation, I'm not going to hear today, I'm not talking about tree-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, all that. I'm not talking about all that. But there's an amazing transformation that will take place during the part of the tribulation that the Christians are gone, whatever part that is. Are you copying? Are you following with me? People will not get saved during that period of time by trusting in the shed blood of Jesus Christ or the cross. There'll be only one way to get saved then. Think about this. By not taking the mark of the beast. It's by exercising so much faith in what they've heard, what they remember about the word of God and about the truth that's left. Don't take the mark and they will suffer for it. 
I don't want to be here for that. I, I want to be with Jesus, amen, at the marriage supper of the Lamb, right? And, and, and then when, the, when the, the, the dinner is over, we all mount up and we come back. You understand what I'm saying? With Jesus and put an end to this thing, all right? Isn't that powerful? And Jesus will reign on this earth for a thousand years. Now, that's not confusing, is it? I mean, that's not too confusing, right? Um, I don't want to be one of those people that wakes up one morning and a billion people are missing and you come to the realization, I know what happened. I know what happened. And now, you, you, you know what you've got to face. You've got to face the unknown because you don't know how bad it's going to get, but it's going to get bad. Worse than anything this planet has ever seen. Amen? And you can't take that mark no matter what they do to you. Well, child of God, if that doesn't terrify you right now, I don't, I don't know if you're not twice dead and plucked up by the roots. Now, what it says in the Old Testament, to be so far away from God and so deaf and blind and can't see, hear, and perceive what God is saying to you twice yet and plucked up by the roots. No hope for you. But we're still breathing today. We're still alive. We still got the Word of God. We still got the Holy Ghost. Amen. And we can still get saved by relying upon salvation that's been provided for us by Jesus Christ. Amen. So take a deep breath and relax. But if I scared you, maybe you needed to be scared. Amen? Three takeaways, four takeaways from this message today. And we'll be closing out. We have to depend on the transforming power of the gospel and the sanctifying work of God's Spirit to empower us. Four things. First of all, look, look, look. Listen to me carefully. What, 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 what are these takeaways about? These, these takeaways are about, you know, doesn't God make a lot of demands on our life? There's not a one of them that he makes on our life that if we won't press into the, into the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of grace and the power of God's word, that God will not help us do these things that are totally and completely against our nature. It is against our nature to place trust in a being we've never seen. It's against our nature. So let me read this again. We have to depend on the transforming power of the gospel and the sanctifying work of God's Spirit to empower us to, one, trust God. Number one, trust God. That goes against our nature. Number two, to submit to His Word. Is this complicated? Is this hard? It, it can be hard. Amen? Just got to let God help you do these things. Trust God. Submit to His Word. Number three, walk in obedience. I mean, look, look, if, if those three things alone, if we just do those things, trust God. Amen? Submit to His Word. Walk in obedience. We got it made. We've got it made. You don't have to worry about the rapture taking place and you being left behind. Amen? You don't have to, it doesn't even have to cross your mind. As a matter of fact, when you get to that point, you know what you spend a lot of time thinking about? Now, everywhere I go, whether I'm at Walmart or the bank or whatever, I see all these people. And many of them that come within your line of sight aren't going to heaven. 
I mean, there's a number of them that are. Can you say, thank God? So we need to pray for the lost. We need to constantly be praying for the lost and asking God what He wants you to do. Amen? One of the hardest things in our lives as a Christian, if we're going to be mature and we're going to be living the way God wants us to live, is to know when to open your mouth and when to shut your mouth. Amen? To know when to open your mouth and what to say. But the Holy Ghost, He'll give you the words. Amen? So trust God, submit to His Word, walk in obedience. And all of this is number four, by His grace and for His glory. That's shouting stuff right there. That's shouting material right there. It, yes. All right. Has this been a serious message for you today? It, yes, yes, yes. What are one of the things that we're doing? There's a Bible study at, at Gloria's house. Is it already fired up on surrender? Or is it? Okay. It's on Wednesday nights, right? On surrender. You learn a lot. Amen. We, we need to be surrendered. Amen. To God in our lives. And all of this, I'm telling you, I'm telling you from God, this is in preparation for going home. It's in preparation for going home. I mean, this is one messed up world. But I'll tell you that one of the things that screams at me about Christ's soon return is Jesus' words, a house divided against itself cannot stand. I don't know if there's... A country in this world more divided than this one that isn't in literal civil war. I don't know why they call it civil war. Nothing civil about it. Uh, where large masses of people are killing large masses of people. This is about as divided as it gets without that. I, I hate to put it that way, but, but it's, it's messed up that way real bad. With the divisions and opinions and, and, and this like sides to this thing that says, if you don't believe like I do, and you don't speak the way I do, and you say anything against the way I believe, I'm going to kill your name, even if I can't kill you. You hear what I'm saying? Well, I just give all that to God. But I will tell you this. It's just a matter of time before I offend one of those people. I, I, I'm gifted at it. I'm no brag, just fact. Amen? Because I teach and preach the Word of God, and it's contrary to the beliefs of this world. But I will stand here publicly today, and if they pull up this recording and they play what I just said to try to prove, you know, the way I believe and what, that's fine with me, but they'll have to edit this part. There isn't a human being I've met in this world that I don't love, amen, that I say, I'm not going to include them in my prayer life. I they don't believe the way I do. I don't like them. They don't like me. They hurt my feelings. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to pray. No. I'm just going to keep on loving. Amen. I'm going to keep on loving them, keep on praying for them, and, I'll, and I want as many as I can to go with me when I go. Amen. I want as many to go with me as I can take with me. It, I'm going to tell you that sometimes it overwhelms my heart so strongly that, that, that I, I, I just did. I close my eyes and I call out to God because I think of all of those people. I mean, and, and I'm going to tell you that when I say a billion people disappears, I'm, I'm being generous. When I say a billion, that, that's one-seventh of the world's population. That's a lot of people. It's a lot of people. 
and, and it may be less and, and hope. Wouldn't it be nice if it was half the world? It'd be nice, you know. But let's not let the crowd be diminished by one single person that we missed God on. That we failed to share what needed to be shared at the moment that it needed to be shared. Amen? Look, uh, this, is, this is what I'm going to close with. And this is what I'm going to be praying for us about. One of the things that the Holy Spirit's dealing with me about in this sermon is that we miss most of the things that we do wrong by not fully embracing the truth of God's Word. Do you, do you get what I just said? We, we you know, and, and maybe it's ignorance, maybe it's habit, maybe it's a bad habit, amen? Maybe it's us not being as fine-tuned as the Holy Spirit wants us to be to the details of our life, and God wants us to be more sensitive, Amen? He wants, to, he wants us to hear him every time he reaches out to us, every time he speaks to us, and every time he says the words, that, that thing you just did, that you just did, I want that. I want to change that. I want to touch that. We just need to be sensitive. Now listen to me. I don't want the devil to come in and, and bear you with a, a message like this. You've got to warn people sometimes. Just take a deep breath and get sensitive, right? Talk to God about the the sensitivity gauge in your life to him, that God will fine-tune it, that God will increase it, amen, and then respond accordingly. Do you know what? Literally, instead of being buried in everything that's wrong in our lives, I'm getting to the point where I'm getting relieved and, uh, and a bit joyous when I find out something else is wrong in my life because God loved me enough to tell me Because it's the only way I'm going to be ready to go. Can you tell by the way I talk and the way I preach that with God's help, I never want to take him for granted anymore. I don't want to take him for granted anymore. Well, I still need some work in that area. And I'm going to pray for me. I'm going to pray for you. You want to be a part of this prayer? Stand up. Stand up. Father, before we take another move or say another word, make another move or do anything else, oh, Father, I just want to tell you once again that we love you. Those words sound hollow and shallow at times. And I don't, I, I, some people say, we say it too much. No, we don't say it enough. We love you, Father, and we appreciate you. Father God, we appreciate you. Father, I want to thank you for your word and how it works in our lives. Forgive us for the myriad, countless times. I call it countless. You don't. There's nothing countless for you. But there are a lot of things that are countless for me. Thank you for the countless times, Father, reminding me that the countless times that I have just blown over things. I've just skimmed right over the top or things went right over my head. And I wasn't paying attention to your Holy Spirit as it spoke to me and how you wanted to deal with these little things, the little foxes that, that ruin the harvest, ruin the fields, that spoil things, little foxes. Help us to deal with them, Father. 
Sometimes they're more dangerous than the blatant great big ones. Forgive us for our sins and shortcomings, Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Continue to disciple us in your word, in your presence, and all for your glory. Thank you for the Lamb's Book of Life. I want to thank you, Father, again, for our names being recorded there in that book. That means that when you come to get your church, take it out of this world, those in the Lamb's Book of Life are going. It isn't about me being worthy. It's about me being obedient. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Father, get us ready, I pray in Jesus' name. So we trust and obey you. Give us words to say, Father, that a lost and dying world would be touched and able to make a clear-cut decision whether to serve you or to reject you, Father. But help us, Father, to be obedient to you and to do our part. Pray all the time without ceasing. Speak when we're supposed to speak and stay quiet when we're supposed to stay quiet. I want to place all of our trust in you. Forgive us for the times, Father, that We've been too liberal with your word and modified it to fit the need instead of changing the need and touching the need with your word as written. Thank you, Father, for the example set for us by Adam and Eve in your word. It saddens me, Lord, that when we get to Hebrews and that great chapter that talks about the great people of faith in the Old Testament, I don't see Adam and Eve's name anywhere in there. Lord, it would be uh, warming to my heart to think that when I get there, I'll get to meet Adam and Eve. But, Father, I, I see him referred to in your word, but I don't ever see him referred to in the likes of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, Solomon, uh, any of those people. I don't, I don't see him mentioned, Father. But, Lord, I am looking forward to meeting those patriarchs when I get there. And fellowship with them. Lord, I want to thank you for the new song that you've given to the church called Echo Holy. And there's a line in that song that talks about a million angels fall to the floor. A million angels cry out to you, Lord. And in essence, it says we will join in the roar. We will join in the roar. I look forward to that time, Father. Uh, to that event is what I'll call it because I know time will be no more. I started to say on that day and that's a reference to time and that will be no more. That we can worship you and be in your presence forever and ever. Father, the times that I think about all those people and, and, and a time in my life when I would have been one of those people that missed the opportunity to be in heaven with you forever. And compare that to the misery of being in a place where you have withdrawn your presence. I cannot imagine a place more miserable than that. Father, we want to go to heaven and be with you. We don't want to go to hell. We want to be a lamb. We do not want to be goats. We ask these things for your glory. Do whatever it takes, Father, we pray, to get your truth across to us. Help us, Father, as this course is being taught, uh, it's coming up, that we surrender our lives to you, which means 
every nook and cranny, every closet, every, open every box, open every door, open every drawer, let you in to minister all those needs in our lives. Get us ready to depart this place. Now, Father, for today, as we leave out of here today, we know that your spirit goes with us. Be in our homes. Uh, stay close, Father. Touch us daily. Change our lives, we pray. Open your word up to us. Uh, cause our faith in you to multiply. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Fellowship together before you leave this place today.